On today's episode, Sasha Dismuth places her story in the time capsule. You are now tuned in to the Story Time Capsule. I guess I would start in time for me was graduating high school. Um, That was a time that I had an idea of what I wanted to do with my life but I didn't know how to get there. Um, So I was actually homeschooled three years in high school. My parents like to pretend that it was their plan for my life, but it was more so my parents were fearful of me going to public school and they were not gonna pay for private school. Because if you live in LA, then you know, uh, private school is a college tuition. So they homeschooled my brothers previously. So they were like, oh, we'll just homeschool you. And I was like, well, hold on, that's like, not in my plan to be away from friends during high school like that's weird and it was at the time like the most depressing for me but actually ended up saving my life because it showed me how to um, be alone something I've always done but it forced me into an uncomfortable alone a place that I had never been so graduating high school I wasn't allowed to go to school for senior year so I you know they were like you should go to prom and do all that other stuff so I went, and since I had done a lot of work in homeschool, I had really great grades. I had no distractions, no reason to su- not to su- succeed. Um, and my counselor told me that I was eligible to get scholarships to college, but I come from a family where no one cares about school. Like, they're like, it's a scam. It, you know, do you, work hard, go on. And so it was no real direction. And to be completely honest, my parents were like, having marital struggles my entire childhood. So no one was really focused on me. Um, So when I got that option to go to college, I just thought college meant it was expensive. And I was like, I don't have money. And like, I didn't even understand scholarships, like duh, free money, you know? No, I was like, oh, that's not for me. I was meant to work. And so I was offered a job senior year as a teacher's assistant um, for kindergarten. I love kids. So I had been working there after school throughout high school. I had been volunteering. They hired me as a after school tutor, then a summer camp counselor. And now I'm getting a full-time position with benefits as a teacher's assistant. So this is right before I graduate high school, right as I'm having this conversation with my counselor. And she's like, well, why wouldn't you go to school? You know, and I'm thinking about all the people I know who are going to school, they have money. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm not like them. That's not for me. I'm going to work. And she's like, well, where are you going to (laughs) work? Now I'll never forget her face. And she was looking at me like, what 4.0 student doesn't know they should be in school by now? And so I was like, oh, I'm going to work as a TA. I was like, I have benefits. And I was excited. I mean, I'm like, I'm getting a full-time salary, girl. You're missing out. And she's like, mm, okay. And so maybe six months after that, um, I am completely out on my own with no choice of my own. My dad made horrible financial decisions my entire life. So I have lived extremely unstable. I've moved now, I'm 31, about to be 32. I think I have counted this year, I've moved 32 times. So by that time I had moved, maybe I was 17, I had maybe moved 10 times, 15 times by then. So I was like, okay, I'm back on this unstable thing. Thank God I took that job. So I was like, I'm glad I'm working full time. I can take care of myself, but I didn't know where I would sleep. I was crashing with friends and family. 
And so every day was a new stressful situation. So I couldn't focus on a career. I was focusing on the today. Like, okay, where am I going to sleep when I get off work? Like, literally, where am I going to go? And all my friends were away at school. So I couldn't say, like, oh, I'm going to stay at so-and-so's house. They're away at school. They're out of state. And so that was, like, the birth of, or I should say the next level of my problem-solving skills, right? So my whole childhood, I've been the only child. Basically, my brothers are 17 and 13 years older than me. So in psychology, they say a person in my birth order is basically an only child. You know, we spent real, really no time together. So I was left to myself a lot, but I enjoyed it. I'm a nerd. I'm an introvert. I love to read. I love to be alone and recharge with my thoughts. So I've always been able to solve things for myself. I would prefer it that way. But I never had to be challenged to this degree. You know, it's really a survival life or death thing. So career wasn't really on the table. It was about the day to day. And I didn't have time for feelings and emotions, right? And I wasn't raised in an environment where people were sensitive. All My parents are very, they come from horrible times. They have overcome so much. But when you're overcoming so much, it takes generations to heal and break it. So for them, they've done great. But if you were the outside looking in, you'd be like, wow, y'all have problems, you know? But they are coming from so much. And for me, my brothers and I have broken relationships because they're another generation. So they think I'm spoiled. And I'm like, I haven't had anything. <laughs> and I've had less because I was neglected because I was a smart girl who could figure it out. So they never did homework with me. They never, you know, poured into me and took me places and educated me. I really just was around them, around older people, and just soaked it all in. And so now I had to put all these, like, situations and memories together and build a skill set for myself which is problem solving so I'm like I can stay here I can work here okay maybe I can save enough money so I was thinking smaller and it wasn't until I saw people at my job who were close to me they were offering me like hey you can crash on my couch no one knew my situation but I'd be like oh you know what are you guys doing can I crash on your couch and they're like yeah okay we love you so I kind of started that closeness with co-workers which is very important relationships to have in life I found that out recently how that will come back and circle back um and it was the first step in me learning to be vulnerable because even for me to ask like oh can I stay the night that's not me I'll just be like oh you know whatever we'll hang out and then whatever um but I noticed the more I got to talk to them we started discussing salaries and they were saying like oh yeah we make 16 dollars blah blah and I was making 12 and I'm like wait a minute we're all working here together and you guys are making more than me. Um, but then I also thought, wow, they're like six to 10 years older than me and they're making only what, $4 more than me. I'm like, Oh, so I started to think like, if I stay here this long, I'm only going to make four more dollars. So I started to get my wheels turning. And at the time my boss was a family friend, just happened to work that way. So yes, I'm confident, but I was even more confident to storm in the door and be like, what's up with this you know so I asked her I said hey I'm finding out people are getting four dollars more than me and I'm doing the same job they're doing and so she was like well um and I saw that she was shuffling she's like well you know they're what they all have degrees I said and I started naming people I said this person doesn't have a degree this person doesn't have a degree oh well they're in school and so I said here's the deal I said if I go to school or if I even enroll in school I won't be working here And then it clicked. I was like, oh, why am I here? I know I'm not going to be a teacher. I actually hate teaching. I love kids, but I don't love kids in this capacity. So why am I here? And I instantly was like, cool, I'm going to school. 
So I went home and tried to figure it out because that's the story of my life. I'm just figuring it out. And I started Googling, started asking friends. I'm like, okay, I know a lot of my friends went to school in D.C. And this, I was like, I'm not going to go that far. I don't have that kind of money. I just kept equating everything to money. I was like, okay, let me go somewhere close. And so I had been in school before, but that first year of work, I dropped out because of everything I was going through. I couldn't maintain a full schedule, work full time, and be homeless. It wasn't possible. So I did take time off. My mom had gone to school. She had gotten her teacher's credentials. She has her master's, but she went to school when I was 10 years old. She had me at 36, so she started school at 46. Um, so she could recommend, like, hey, I am did online classes. You can start some of those. So I did start some of those. Um, and I was able to find a program where they let you work full-time and you do classes online, one class per month. So by the end of the semester, I would have completed four classes the way you would have done traditionally. So, um, and I actually kind of got a little ahead of myself before I barged into my boss's office, this process of me enrolling that month to month was going on. That's kind of, I did think about it before I said something. So I think the last straw was me realizing people were getting paid more. I was like, okay, wait a second. Cause I was taking those classes, but it, but it was no motivation. I was just like, let me stay in school and figure something out. Now that I've had a year off, I know I one day I'm gonna have to leave this place. I see that because I don't want it to be six years from now and I'm still here. But I wasn't feeling that urgency until I found out how much they were making. And then someone mentioned to me, like, hey, if you go to school, you know you can live on campus. And so I was like, duh, you know, another duh moment. I'm like, that's when I moved with swift energy. I was like, it has to happen now. And I actually got laid off from after school because I worked during the day and after school. And so um, they were preparing us for the next school year saying, hey, TAs are going to get cut half days. So I was like, you know what, nothing the time nothing like the time like the present basically I'm like this is now I need to apply now I had no idea on how to apply to college where to go who to talk to but I'm one of my friends who I was not even really friends with <laughs> so weird it was on BBM Blackberry messaging and like she had some status that was like I hate my school and she was in college she was like it's so boring here so I was like what school do you go to and she was like Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks so I was like oh that's in LA you know I'm like cool I'm like, okay, well, is it hard to get into? And she was like, no, it's super easy. Like, they, they need more students, especially students of color. I was like, oh, cool. I called them. I applied. And I was actually in a situation in San Diego babysitting my grandmother, who I had really never even known. That was, like, my first time spending time with her. But my grandfather passed away, and my mom didn't want her to be alone. So she was like, can you go sit with her? I'm like, I don't know this woman. And so I don't have a job. I just lost my other job. I know I need to be in school, but I don't know how to get there. Now I'm babysitting my grandmother, who I don't know. And um, I'm texting this girl about her school. So I grab my laptop and go to the Starbucks. I'm like, all right, Grandma, I'll be back. And that's when I applied to Cal Lutheran. I was like, let me just try and see. I had no idea what I was doing. They called me instantly and was like, hey, we just got your application. So I was like, oh, they are starving for people. Like, you know, you've never got a call back from a college that quick. And so they were saying your grade point average is great, but we need you to get an A and a B to bring it up to our transfer uh, requirement. And you need two more classes credit-wise. And it needs to be a science and a math to fulfill that. Cool. I was like, fine. And I asked another friend if I can stay with them for the next three months because they said that I can transfer in the spring. They were like, cool. I'm like, cool. And I knocked it out. I got two A's and I worked two jobs and 
I figured it out, you know. And so once I was able to transfer there, that's when my life really began to change because it was the first time I could focus and have a little more stability, but also thrive in my independence. So being on campus, I got so much done. I worked on campus, multiple jobs. I learned quickly that, okay, what I felt earlier as an eighth grader, I do want to go to law school. It just fits my brain. I'm very analytical. I love to write. I care about justice. Um, so cool. I need to make money. I don't want a job. I want a career. What will be best for my brain? People keep telling me it's law. I've been interested in law. Cool. I'm going to go do that. And I never knew law had some prestige. I just thought some people are lawyers, some people are doctors, some people cook. Some, you know, I, I never saw it as something big. So I point that out because that's when I started to get a lot of envy from family, from siblings, from friends. And I'm like, why are people so mad? And like, oh, you, you're going to law school. I'm like, why does that matter? <laughs> I'm like, this is just what I need to do for myself. So it got really interesting, that journey. Even my time transferring to undergrad, people were like, oh, like, what are you doing after college? I'm like, I'm going to go to law school. And people are like, oh, you know, I'm like, what are you doing after college? You know, and I, it hadn't clicked for me. I'm like, that's just what I'm choosing. So my department, I guess they saw that in me very young. They rallied for me, and that was the best thing that ever happened, going to a small private school. People knew me. And I was taught by my mom, you get in people's faces. You know, undergrad is finesse. You go in there, you talk to these professors, you let them know who you are so that they remember you when they're grading you. Because that, a lot of that is about who likes you, not about merit. It's unfortunate. That's how we found out it's a scam because it's not about intelligence. It's about who people like and who people don't like. So day one, I went right into my professor's, you know, office hours. Hey, I'm Sasha. I'm a transfer. Um, I'm a poli-sci major. And I'm looking to go to law school after undergrad. So I really want to do my best, you know. And so they're like, okay. You know, and so I get into class. I'm one of these people. I have no idea what I'm doing as far as notes and student stuff and highlighting. But I'm great on the fly. I'm a quick thinker. And I have opinions. So it's not hard for me to adjust to a classroom setting. I, You know, and my whole life I've gotten A's and B's. But remember, my whole life I've never done anything, right? I've never applied myself. Never did homework. Because my parents were arguing that. <laughs> I never did projects. So, but I've always loved to read. I, I'm very much self-taught. And my parents have always engaged me in deep conversations. So I'm able to communicate and I have great people skills. So being in college, I thrived. My professors loved me. And when it was time to show up, I always show up. You know, and I, I under-promise and over-deliver. So people love to hear that because it's humility, you know. And so they got behind me and worked me over. I remember one professor in particular, I gave her the traditional speech. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And I told her, I said, I, I need to get an A in your class. And she was taken aback. She was like, oh. And I said, yeah. You know, that was the first professor who was like, oh, challenge. You know, everyone else was like, cool, you got it, girl. And she was like, hmm, we'll see. I said, oh. I said, I guess we will. <laughs> and if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't have made it any further because she drew out of me what I didn't know existed, which was I was unmotivated, right? Which is weird because I'm a hustler and I'm a pusher, but I don't care about the details, right? And so we would have assignments where we're writing and I'm like, you know, here it is. Boom. I'm, here's my writing. And she's like, you're a great writer, but as it relates to the argument and the analysis, you know, you're telling me what you're thinking, but where 
are you, you know, strategizing and analyzing and counter arguing? And I'm like, and I'm looking at her and I'm like, but you knew what I meant. And she said, but see that I don't. And I'm like, oh, she's not going to let me. And at first I didn't think I was like, why is she playing like this? Like, why is she trying to insult my intelligence? And I quickly saw that she told me herself, she was like, you're lazy. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> anybody will tell you I'm the hardest working person on this planet. I didn't realize she was speaking academically. And I guess now looking back, when you tell someone you want to law school, they're going to challenge you if they care. And so that's why I highlight my naiveness because I didn't know what I was getting into. So she was preparing me for something I didn't even know was coming. And her challenging me, she gave me a B ultimately in the class. <laughs> But, and I remember I was offended. I wrote a research paper on prostitution. I was a criminal justice major, by the way. I was passionate about this research I had done. I had gone through a really bad breakup. And when I woke up from this breakup pain, I realized I was falling behind in classes and that's just so not me. And so I spent seven days cathartically researching this prostitution. And I wrote like 20 pages and had all types of arguments. And she raked through that paper and pointed out all kinds of, you know, faults. And I was like so hurt, but it was motivation. For the first time, I was like, I'm gonna dig deeper. And I didn't realize that's what she wanted me to do. I had never had someone pour into me before. I was like, I still, to this day, I haven't apologized to her or thanked her. I mean, I thank her all the time, but not even narrowly, because I'm just now realizing it now that I've come out of a lot of things. Um, but then I just said, wow, she's really pushing. She's really on my head. Like, she really thinks I'm, I'm going to show her. And so, ironically, our last assignment was a paper on opinion. How do you think this year went? How do you think your semester, how do you feel about your class? And so that's where I thrive, saying what I think. And so I wrote about 10 pages on that. And I did that three hours before it was due. I had to run somebody's talent show and I went out party that right after, got home at 3 a.m. and wrote this paper that was due at 9 a.m. And do you know, she wrote a long letter on the back and said, this was the most amazing piece of writing I've ever read. You know, and she was like, I'm so proud of you and your hard work and your motivation, you're brilliant. And you know, I see so much in you and I know you're gonna be successful. So this is the first time I'm having an impactful educational experience. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm like, one, I didn't, I half stepped on that. And all that other stuff I did, you gave me a B and she ended up giving me a B in the class too. Cause I showed up late a couple times. So, I mean, you know, I was trifling. Oh. <laughs> and she was hard on me and I loved that about her. I, I love discipline. I love people who care. So I respect her. If I can respect you, you have my respect. And that's a huge thing. I don't give it easily. So when she wrote me that letter, I mean, it changed my life. It, it, it changed my whole life. And so it definitely motivated me to work hard academically. I realized, okay, this energy that I put into work and relationships and family needs to be for me too. And so graduating from there, I did apply to 10 law schools, but three of them were in um, Washington, D.C. And based on all my family drama, I had more, you know, trials and tribulations that had occurred during this period where I was still homeless and other traumas were taking place in my family. So looking back, I've just been bottling up a lot and just pushing, just don't give anything attention, just keep going. And I fix whatever I can. And if I can't fix it, I just don't deal with it. 
Um, and so I knew I had to go to law school across the country. Cause so I was like, if I go to law school here, I'm not going to finish all this family drama is not going to work. So I applied to three DC schools. I said, if I get into one, I'm going. And I only got into one. I got in, most schools were in LA and I was like, I'm going to go. And it was to Howard. And I did not want to go to Howard at all, especially because I, I had this great experience at Cal Lutheran, you know, where people were invested and pushing and in my face, but also administration supported us. They were timely with financial aid. They were timely with a lot of things and we had a lot of resources. And so even though it may be, um, you know, institutionalization of racism and all that, the reality is I need the resources to succeed. And someone coming from my position, I don't have time to, no, I don't have time. But I took a risk because I knew DC was the environment I had to be in. My senior year of undergrad, I interned at the Attorney General's Office of DC um, in the spring semester of 2013. And that's when I had confirmed, okay, law is what I wanna do. And I wanna do it here in DC. Um, and that was cute, right? Mm, all right. <laughs> so when I applied, I did apply with confidence. And a lot of people around me were saying, oh, you're not going to leave your family. I'm like, well, you know, I'm always willing to do what it takes. I love my family, and I'm doing this for them, really. But I have to do what's best. That's kind of how I see things. Like, what's the best, most logical thing? Okay, let me take this. And I had never moved across the country. I've never lived in another state. Uh, Thousand Oaks at that time was probably the furthest that I had ever lived. Um, and I had never done something like that. But that's why I started off with that homeschooling time, right? Because I knew that sometimes you have to be uncomfortable when you're alone. So when I moved to DC, it was really tough. That was probably one of the first times I had a really huge breakdown. <laughs> that I couldn't even have foreseen because I'm not an emotional person. I usually just push. But that, I was just like, I was so scared. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what am I doing, you know? And I was like, once again, I'll figure it out. So I just got on the plane. I had a nervous breakdown on the plane. I just remember sweating and, like, had a whole anxiety attack. And I had this whole breakdown and. I, my faith is so deep. I'm very much drawn by, you know, providence. I really believe that God created me for a purpose, with purpose. I didn't know that at that time. I didn't feel that at that time. But looking back, I'm like, it's so true because the girl sitting next to me noticed I was having a panic attack. She grabs my hand and she's like, after you just told me what you're doing, I, I can see in your face you're stressing. Because she asked me earlier, like, oh, okay, what are you doing? I'm, hmm. She grabbed my hand and she was like, I'm here with you. I'm here with you. She tracked down a flight attendant. And she was like, she needs some cool water. And like, I was kind of just like out of it and streams of sweat down my face, the whole nine. And so just having her there, I was like, oh my God, like I needed that. And when I get to DC, um, my car is supposed to be shipped. Someone donated to and offered to ship my car. It was late. So I couldn't get to the store to buy anything for my apartment. I get to the apartment. They give me the complete wrong apartment. It's like filthy, it's construction going on. I had to fight for my rights then. <laughs> and then now I'm alone with like no help. And then an old friend, close friend, a coworker from US attorney, I mean, not US attorney, the uh, DC attorney general who I interned with happened to text me, hey, aren't you starting law school in DC? She was in DC. And I'm like, yeah, I just moved here. And I told her everything was going horribly. And she's like, I'm on my way. And I'm like, wow. 
and she came and she took me to Target and she got my toiletries and, and she was like, just rest. Cause she could see, she was like, you are physically ill at this point. She was like, I feel so bad. Like no one is meant to do this alone. And she was like, this is so crazy. But I was so used to doing everything alone. So I was like, mm. now I'm actually dealing with the pain of it for the first time. And so to have her there comforting me was another great moment in my life. You know, I just really learned it's so necessary to support people, which is a philosophy I have. But these are the moments why I remember I have to do it, though. You know, like it's necessary. So after sobbing and and dealing with that the next morning I woke up my body felt as if nothing ever happened I was at complete peace and I put my suit on and went to orientation and was like I'll figure it out and I was so calm I had never even been to the campus I had never seen the apartment I had to just pull triggers from LA and figure it out and so when I got into orientation I was like oh okay you know and I was so cool and I surprised myself I was like wow that was weird but like I said, looking back, I really think that was just God giving me peace. Like, girl, go live your life and figure it out, you know, releasing me from that stress. But yes, that was my attitude. And so getting through law school was one of the most rigorous times of my life. Uh, it was tumultuous for my personal life. My family was still back home, falling apart in many ways. And I had zero resources. I had zero money. I'm, I'm coming from nothing. So in law school, you have the most intense schedule. You're studying 20 hours a day, basically 14 hours a day, if you care. And that's what they tell you. So you're programmed to believe working and killing yourself is the marker of intelligence. And my thing is like, well, I'm definitely not an idiot. So, and then you start to read some things and you're like, oh, it's going to take me six hours to read this. So I see why I need to be here for 20 hours, you know? So that means I can't get a job. For the first time and so now where's money coming from and so I'm getting financial aid but it's late it's months late and it's all these factors going on and it's just a lot to carry and someone for me that's why I gave this example of my undergrad experience someone who never did homework someone who never takes tests my mom is a phenomenal teacher and she sent thousands of people to college her number one philosophy is tests give kids anxiety for no reason and it doesn't it isn't a marker of intelligence. It just shows you how well they did that day. So she never allowed me to take tests, which is a great thing. But now I'm in a society that tells me tests is the only way that I'll be successful. And so getting to law school, I had no idea what the structure was. I thought it was just undergrad part two. I did not know you take one test each semester and that is your grade in the class. And I'm getting these grades back and they do not reflect what I thought I thought or what I thought I knew. And so I was very confused because this is the first time that I'm not performing well. And I'm like, oh, like, and so this is where these life skills of hustle and problem solving and figuring it out come into play because now I'm reaching for every resource under the sun, right? I'm calling all these connections that I made in my internships, my mentors, the people who, you know, championed me, my department. I'm like, okay, what's the structure of law school? What's going on? Like, how do I figure this out? And what are, some options for someone like me and they're like what you're smart you're killing it don't worry about it and I'm like am I because I just saw this grade and I'm feeling confused you know and they're like oh well well where's your notes you know I'm like oh I don't you know I don't take notes and people are like what <laughs> and I'm like no I, I've never taken notes you know and they're like so so that's when I started to see wait something's missing you know because you guys told me I was smart and now I'm here with smart people and I'm not reflecting what they're reflecting. So I go through this period of time where 
I'm second guessing myself because I'm like, am I not smart? And then she asked me a simple question like, well, what's your learning style? And I said, what do you mean? And she was like, oh, wow. So that's when I started to see like, okay, I'm behind on something, you know? And she's like, you don't, how do you study? And I'm like, I review, you know, the chapter. She's like, no, like these are court cases. Like you have to break them down. You have to take notes. You have to, and I'm like, oh, I don't, okay, whoa. You know, now mind you, I'm on second semester, third semester when I'm having these conversations. I'm almost halfway through at this point. I'm like, what? And it's weird because I go talk to my professors like I always do. And they're like, what? They're like, you're one of my best students. Like, because I'm dialoguing in class. I'm not dumb, right? I can follow. I understand. But it's something that's not translating on paper. And um, long story short, I had a very tragic time. And I was facing dismissal, actually, one semester. And the person who came in and had to make that decision, out of everyone they chose to dismiss, she chose to keep me. I was the only one. And I had just met her maybe a month that she had to make that decision. So I was like, whoa. And she was like, well, she knew my academic advisor. She said, I, I investigated and I asked a lot of questions. She said, and I asked professors and I asked students. And you were the only one out of the whole bunch who everyone said, oh, no, like brilliant, hardworking, wants to be here, no stuff, no way she should be dismissed, you know. And so I was like, okay, so the hard work is always going to show up for me. And the brilliance is definitely there. So people, it was one person who took that risk by keeping me and saying, no, you're supposed to be here. So don't worry about it. And that gave me the motivation to finish because there were times where I was like, okay, what? I had a peer mentor who was like, oh, you need to quit. I was like, what? She was like, you need to drop out. Like, it's just not for you, obviously. I had a professor tell me, you're just not smart like everybody else. I was like, oh. And it was my writing professor because I told him, I said, when you're explaining certain things, like, I said, it's not coming up for me. I'm, I'm not understanding. I said, so can you break it down? Because no one was actually breaking anything down. Law school is not there to break things down. And he was like, well, I don't know how to break it down to you. I was like, so is that a you thing or is that a me thing? And most people get offended by my candidness. That's literally what I was asking, though. It wasn't coming from a place of anger or trying to be funny. I was trying to figure it out. Like, I'm like, so, okay, is that on you or is that on me? You know, and he was red, he was angry. He's like, your classmates are just smarter than you. And I was like, oh, okay. So I knew he was a hater. I was like, okay, he's a hater. Let me go to someone who makes sense. And I went to another professor and they were like, don't tell anybody I'm telling you this. I'm like, what's going on? He was like, your group, your cohort, that writing professor, I see a lot of people who are not learning how to write. That is, I'm like, that's a him problem. And he was like, yes. He was like writing, you know, legal briefs and essay writing for exams are two different things. He said, and here's the issue in law school. You're all smart. So now we have to determine a way to give grades out. Everyone can't get an A. And I'm like, okay. He's like, so you have to determine how do you get this formula to write the best essay? Because you guys all know the law. It's about your analysis. It's about your analysis, the steps in analysis. I could not for the life of me understand what analysis meant. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm analyzing. I'm an analytical person. And don't you know, it wasn't until I graduated that I finally figured out what a, the analysis was. <laughs> but the key point is I graduated. I never gave up and I stayed true to myself. I knew I had to finish what I started. I don't ever let people tell me who I am and what I'm going to be, but I'm always open for information because I'm human enough to know I have blind sides. 
So, okay, I'm suffering with some type of skill set, I see, but I'm not suffering or lacking in the brain area. That's fine. So it's not a biological issue. It's something I can fix. Great. That's an analysis. And that's what I was trying to figure out. And my third year, I had nothing but seminar classes. So no exams, just papers, which I always thrive. So I got straight A's and I was like, oh, okay, I can breathe. I did clinic. It was intense. I was literally in court 20 hours a week defending people and people are dumb. So I'm like, why are you doing dumb stuff? I'm like, please stay out of court, you know, and I'm getting to learn clients. I'm like, can I be on for court every day? So that was the first time I started to see, I don't know if I really want to be a lawyer, but since I chose this, I got to do this. I got to figure it out. But I did start to see it may not be for me, but I was not um, mature enough to vocalize it. I didn't know how to articulate that. Um, and come to find out at the end of my second year of law school, I'm a visual learner. So being in a school where they lecture audio, that's why I was struggling. And I just never knew that. It wasn't until a professor um, taught visually, YouTubes, diagrams. She was the only professor to recommend the textbook of the semester as one that had a lot of diagrams, that had a lot of um, visual things. So I basically memorized the textbook and I actually got the second highest grade in the class. I was devastated because when you get the highest grades called Amgerin, you get a certificate. And I was like, yeah, I want to kick butt. But I got the second highest grade, which is outstanding because it was in evidence, which is one of the hardest classes in law school. And so it was a gift for me. It was like, okay, I'm not dumb. And I am a visual learner. I'm glad I never get up, give up. I'm glad I stay true to myself. And I'm so happy to be here. So graduating meant much more for me because it's like a homeless to Howard story. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, for y'all, your parents set this up for you. They paid for you. Y'all are chilling. You just doing what you got to do. I'm surviving. That's why it's so important for me to stay true to myself, which starts to follow me when I graduate. One of my family members is diagnosed with an illness that is life-threatening. And so I was in shambles because I'm thinking I'm coming back and I'm, I'm sitting for the bar and I'm about to start my new life. You know, I'm going to get that great job. I'm going to, you know, have money. I'm going to take care of family. And then I get hit with a side with a ton of bricks. And it was right after I sat for the bar, thank God. So I didn't get distracted, but um, it was so intense. And so I had no money. I had no job offers because I didn't do that great in law school. So, you know, when you want to help people, you instantly think money. Oh, i got to be able to pay medical bills. Um, but me, a person of faith, I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Like, please give me a gift that I can give to this person. And the next morning I wake up, the first thing on my mind is like research. How do you develop illnesses? And so I went down a rabbit hole. I'm unemployed. I'm fresh out of law school. Of course, I'm researching. Okay. And I find out that it's about lifestyle choices. It's literally boils down to what do you do every day? Are you a person who sits in the office eight hours a day? Do you ever get sunlight? Do you ever exercise? Do you have joy? Do you have financial instability? Do you have emotional instability? And I'm like, yep, all of this person has all of that. And then I'm like, okay, well, what kind of food will fit into this? Because a lot of it was, do you skip meals? And this person skips meals every day, three meals a day, they're skipping because they work, they're a workaholic. And so I was like, okay, the, what I can offer as help, I'm just going to make food and I'm going to write up a life plan where they'll exercise three or four days a week. And, um, I also wanted to do some opportunities for them where they would learn how to find joy in their life. You know, what do you like to do? Do you like to create things? Do you like to go for a walk on the beach? And so I kind of was an impromptu help coach. 
And so I use all those skills that I just furnished in law school, researching, analyzing, strategizing, you know, using that logic and put this whole life plan together. And then I start researching food. And then I go down this rabbit hole of where food is grown, how it's sourced, how it's packaged, chemicals and antibiotics. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, no wonder why people are getting sick. Everything that's in our food is killing us. So I, I heard that before, but I never knew that. So now I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, let me save this person's life through food. That's all I'm thinking. And so once I get through there, I set up this plan where I'm cooking three meals a day. I'm going on walks with them. I'm uplifting them. And they lose 30 pounds the first month. And when they go into surgery, they didn't need any medication as far as uh, like chemo or radiation after nothing. And the first day of surgery, they were up and walking around the hospital. So the doctors were shocked. Like, what have you guys been doing? You know, and no further illnesses. And so during that time, I was also offering the same meal plan and recommendations to friends and family because they're like, well, what did you do for so-and-so? I'm like, oh, that's what I did. And the whole time I'm pursuing law, let me take the bar because I found out I didn't pass the first time. I'm like, oh, I got to be a lawyer. I, I got to do this because I got to finish what I started. And so each step of the way, I am educating people on food and health and nutrition and lifestyle at every legal job that I'm at. And I'm like still not seeing it for myself. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to be a lawyer. I hate being a lawyer. I hate it here. But got to finish what I got to do. And so at the time I'm an investigator and then spent some time as a law clerk at U.S. attorney and the U.S. attorney's office was the nail in the coffin. I was like, I'll never be a lawyer. I hate it here. Horrible people, horrible stuff. It's so political. It's destructive. It's poison. But I got this law degree. What am I going to do? You know? And so then I go back into investigations and I love investigations, but I hate working for the government. So I'm like, Okay, because they own you and they're telling you where to spend your money, where to invest your money, because that's how taxes work. They're telling you now what medical decisions to make for yourself. Right. And so that was the last straw for me. I was like, oh, okay, this is crazy. Like, because after I just had this experience with this family member where I learned that, you know, God put things in the ground for us to heal our bodies. So now you're telling me that that's not true. And so now you're controlling not only my money, but you're controlling my health. And now I'm seeing on a full spectrum, you're, you're controlling my life. And so it was easy for me to walk away, but that left me in a position where now I have this law degree. I have all this turmoil I just went through to get it. I don't have a law license. That's fine because I don't want to practice law, but I do need to make money and pay off this debt. And I still am not a person who came for money and have stuff. So how do I figure out all this student loan debt? How do I figure out anything? And I went through a very dark depression. I was like, I have no skills. I just wasted my whole 20s breaking my body down. And what is meant for me? So I cried a lot. I didn't get out of bed. I gained weight. The whole nine. You know, your typical after school special. And actually, it was your mom that was like, hey, like, whatever you're doing during the day, think about it. Are you reading? Are you writing? What are you doing? And like, what do you love? Because if you're doing it now, that means you're doing it for free. And that means you love it. And so I instantly just thought about, wow, I've been helping a lot of people get healthy. And it was a cousin of mine who had COVID pneumonia in the hospital for four days and she couldn't breathe. She thought this was it for her. And so I went to um, a botanical pharmacy, you know, all herbal, natural things, went through my notes, research. Got her some lung drops as well. And as soon as she took it, she was up the next day scrubbing her bathroom with bleach. 
And I was like, how did you get up so fast? I didn't even know. I was like, how did you get up so fast? How do you feel? And she was like, oh, I took your stuff and I feel great. I'm 100%. And I was like, wow. And I started to see things. I'm like, okay, something I'm doing makes sense. And a lot of people in my family and friends were able to get healed from a lot of small issues that my research had proven to make sense, basically. And they were saying, hey, I've been going to the doctor. They've been misdiagnosing me or they don't ever offer me anything natural. And I'm like, they're not... They, they don't care. <laughs> Sorry. They're just going to prescribe some medicine. So that's when I started to see maybe I should do some something with health. But how does that involve a, a law degree? So I spend a lot of time in prayer. I literally have never prayed like this in my life, and I never cared about God before now, I honestly say. It's the last few years that I've seen myself go through the worst times of my life, and I'm like, it has to have more meaning than this. And this was the last step in my, should I say, analysis, because this was the only time in my life I had zero plans. I couldn't come up with anything else. I had a complete dark brick wall, hole, whatever you want to call it. And it wasn't until three months later, it just popped in my head, like this whole vision of a business plan, health and wellness, a food truck, a recovery center, um, education through a YouTube platform and actually being a health coach where I can guide people and educate people to encourage them, recommend to them better lifestyle choices versus being a nutritionist, forcing you into a calorie system or, you know, a personal trainer, forcing you to be concerned about weight. I want you to be uh, taking this burden of stress off your life. You know, you don't have to work in an office nine to five every day because now I'm realizing as an entrepreneur, I've never been so fulfilled in my life. It was the most scariest thing for me to do but being in control of my own schedule, being in control of my own health, being in control of my own money or lack thereof, should I say now, <laughs> but being in control is more healthy than anything, you know, and I realized I was a slave working for someone else. So I'm like, now that I have this freedom, I want to encourage other people to incorporate this kind of freedom. And it all started with what's going on my plate and what's going, what's going in my body and what's going on my body, what's going on with it. And once you start to see that, you kind of wake up mentally. And you, you really see, or that's probably when you're woke, should I say. So now as a business owner, I'm offering, you know, I'm a health coach. I'm bringing in investigations because I also, during that time, my family member was sick. I was calling around to like our local favorite eateries. And it's like, hey, where are you buying your chicken? Where are you getting your salads and dark green lettuce? Oh, hang up. Oh, click. I'm like, wait, hold on. And so I start writing these notes and sending these emails out. And with that legal background, I know how to research. I know how to address people. I know, you know, as an investigator, where to dig and how to dig. And I'm finding out that it's astonishingly negative, the impact that's on our food and our medical system. So just being in depression, feeling like I have no skills, now I'm in a, a place where I have this vision where I'm incorporating all the skills I have, right, investigative, legal. And then this creative side that's always been there is now being fed by the ideas of, okay, I'm going to do this YouTube platform and I'm going to educate my community on what does it really mean to be healthy. I'm not talking about going to the gym, lifting weights with protein powder. I'm talking about what is health, you know, and giving them an informal platform that will keep them engaged and wanting to learn both versus sending out an email every week and read these 10 articles because you're not going to do it. I do because I'm a nerd, but you're not going to do it. So if I'm doing it through YouTube, which everybody loves, if I'm doing it through a TikTok, which everyone cares about, now you might actually learn something and change your life. And that's what I care about, changing lives and giving back, you know, because all those times where I was low or I was alone, there was always someone right there, right? And so it's my duty to give back all the all those times, times more, you know? 
Um, and so I'm loving where I am now. And the story is definitely deep. Y'all got me going clearly, but, um, it's so much more ahead. I already know. So the theme I was just telling someone this week, my theme is always staying true to yourself. You know, people were very serious about me dropping out of law school. I'd stay true to myself. Dropout is never me. I would never quit something. That's weird to me. I'm like, no, it has to be injuring my health for me to quit. Um, and I stay true to myself and staying true to myself when it came to that job. I had the best job that I could ask for. It was low key. My dream job. I loved every moment of it. My team was amazing. We still connect. I just talked to my boss the other day and I have been unemployed from them almost six or seven months. But when you're asking me to bend the knee on my faith, when you're asking me to bend the knee on my health, I had to stay true to myself. And so that was the best thing I could have done because it's so rewarding. You know, I'm not confused. I'm very secure. And it's opened up so many opportunities for me. When I was pursuing legal, I had to chase it in every single way. I had to get internships. I had to beg people. I had to get in people's face. I had to be very aggressive and persistent. Um, And with this business, I'm very much healing myself. I'm in counseling. I'm breaking generational curses with that. You know, and uh, it's healing for me. And things are coming to me naturally. I'm plugged in with my faith consistently. I'm feeling at peace. And so many people are seeing me. They're like, oh, my gosh, you look amazing. And I'm like, I feel amazing. (laughs) And I see old pictures of myself in law school. I looked horrible. I was tired. I was broken down. I was sick the entire time in the hospital constantly. And it's just when you're trying to force something that's not meant for you, um, you'll learn the lesson of how valuable it is to stay true to yourself, you know. I was so confused that people were saying I wasn't smart enough because that's what they were saying. But it's like God speaking to me is like, this just literally isn't meant for you. You're capable. That's obvious, but it's something bigger, you know, and my bosses and my um, professors had always told me like, you are going to do something really big. And I'm like, oh no, I'm just trying to get paid and pay bills and go on about my life. You know, I don't want to do any of that. And one of my last bosses at U S attorney's office was like, why are you here? You're smarter than everybody in here. And I was like, what? Like, what? Like, these are people from Yale and Harvard. And she's like, are you kidding me? She's like, you're probably the youngest person on staff and you're the smartest person in the room. She's like, and you really want to waste your time being a lawyer? And I'm like, I don't, but what else am I meant to do? You guys told me to go to school. I went, now I'm here. And so being in this business now is like, I can't even describe the fulfillment. You know, I'm having clients, I'm having crazy clients, epilepsy and diabetes and you know, chronic illnesses. So have people entrusting themselves into me is a a lot of responsibility, but people see my authenticity and they see my capabilities and my accomplishments and my willingness to work very hard for them because empathy goes a long way, but empathy is not far enough. You need the hard work behind it. And so being up all night researching and coming up with actual solutions, problem solving for people is is what's necessary. That is my skill and, and that's what I'm staying true to. This is Sasha Dismuke, and I'm out of here. At Storytime Capsule, we want to hear everyone's story. This space is for you to tell your story in whatever way you choose, through conversation or creative writing, maybe even by sharing a recipe. If you would like to sign up to share your story on the podcast, you can visit our website at storytimecapsule.com or follow the link in our Instagram bio at Storytime Capsule Podcast.